This episode is brought to you by the Christian Culture Builders Group on Facebook and MeWe. Believers in Jesus optimistically working to create great commission hubs for the propagation of the gospel, the furthering of Christ's kingdom, and the emergence of robust, fruitful Christian culture. We work through the three spheres of authority, the family, the church, and the state, and the pillars of influence in society to make it happen. Check out the Christian Culture Builders Group on Facebook or MeWe today. Welcome to the Think Podcast, the show that tackles impossible questions from a biblical perspective, with your host, Joel Sedeckes. And now, get ready to think. We are up and ready to go right now, and today we're going to talk about how to share the gospel, how to share your faith with uh, in your everyday life, how to share your faith in your everyday life. And uh, for this topic, I knew there was no one better that I could bring on, but myself. But uh, but the second best person to bring on. No, I'm just kidding. The uh, the best person I could bring on is my dad, my very own pops. You may recognize him from the Parker's Pensees podcast, which um, is hosted by my brother. He had my dad on to talk about science fiction, and uh, now we're going to talk about evangelism. So, pops, I'm going to put the mic back over this way a little bit so we can speak. You, you're going to kind of want to lean into the mic a little bit because I only have the one set up. But, yeah, that's fine. But, um, Pops, thanks for coming over. Uh, thank you. Thank you for asking me. I, I'm so excited. I can't wait to be famous. So hmm. this is... Well, that's what this is all about. That, that's right. That's what we're all about here. Churn it and burn it. Yes. yes. Um, so, Pops, could we get started by just talking about your background, your story, um, and... Um, you know, how did you get to the point where you were a follower of Jesus, and did did you grow up a follower of Jesus? Okay, um, no, I I didn't I didn't grow up a follower of Jesus. I I grew up with religion, and um and I knew I was very bad, you know, in my own religion. And um at uh, at nineteen, I had this big dope party, and my landlord wanted to kick me out, and um, you know, I would have peaks of being very very happy. But then I would just have these black, black moods, just, just terrible black moods. So in April of 1972, uh, before electricity, um, I decided I would go to California. I would start my life over because California is beautiful and, you know, it's just, you know, filled with beautiful girls and, and what more could a young man want? So I started hitchhiking um, in April of 1972 and I kept on running into Christians real genuine Christians and you know they would love me they would share Christ and I couldn't figure out what their gimmick was because in where I grew up if somebody gave you something they wanted something in return and no matter what you did you always had to hold on to your wallet because we were shifty hmm. we were well we were terrible so I kept on hearing about Jesus hearing about Jesus and I ended up in this uh in this halfway house in Las Vegas, and this guy picked me up named Jimmy, and Jimmy had on his dashboard, Jesus loves you, and I thought, oh, that is so corny, what have I gotten into, I was better off with those cowboys who were going to kill me. It was a year in a halfway house. Well, well, no, we were trying to go to a halfway house, Jimmy said, there's a Shiloh house that just opened up, maybe we could spend the night there. Okay. So, we tried the door, and the door was locked. You also skipped over, you said... We're better off with those cowboys who are going to kill us. Oh, yeah. Well, we don't yeah. have to talk about that. Okay, yeah. If so you want to, you can. 
Well, God showed me that you reap what you sow. Okay. Because prior to that, I scared some young kids. They threw snowballs at us, and I really put a scare in them. Oh, yeah. So a short time later, these cowboys, I overheard them talking about they're going to, you know, well, they were going to kill me in the, in the desert. And I was really a, afraid. And so God brought back to memory the, the snowball. And I said, okay, I can see how in our lives we get back what we give. Okay. That was like one of the first lessons. Wow. So... So as, you're at this halfway, the Shiloh house, the halfway house. Well, it was before the Shiloh house. It was another halfway house. Okay. And um, Jimmy said, let's see if we can stay here. Well, the door was locked. But um, am I supposed to face this or you? Uh, me. That's fine. Okay, yeah. fine. Yeah, we're just talking. So um, so Jimmy tried the door and the door was locked, but I tried the door and it swung open. And immediately, so it wasn't locked for me. Huh. So immediately the devil was there going, he tricked you, man. He knew you were going to try the door. Don't go in there. Don't go in there. And I remember in, in the center of my heart saying, I want to believe, but he's making it so hard. Because wow. the devil had such a hold on me. He didn't want me going to the Shiloh house because he knew I'd get saved. Wow. So the next day I went to the Shiloh house. And I was the kind of guy that if you invited me in, I would stay until you asked me to leave. Huh. I would, you know, a, a week, a month, you know, a year, whatever. So I started going to the Shiloh house. It was a Christian commune. They, you know, they told you about Jesus. And every week we go to a new church. We go to a charismatic church. We go to Four Square Church. We go to a Baptist church. And every week there was an altar call. This was the 70s. And they were hot for altar calls. Yeah, yeah. So they'd say, if you don't know you're saved, you need to get that. So every week I'd go down. Every week. And the pastor of our commune, of that branch, he said, why do you keep going down? And I said, well, he said, if you're not sure, well, I'm not sure. I, I don't want to end up in hell. You know, I'm not having any fun. Yeah. So, you know, so he goes, well, I can, I can tell. So I said, well, how can I prove it? And so my landlady said, well, Lord, I believe, but I've got some doubts. Help me. So one day I'm just washing the dishes and God's spirit just kind of said, you're on the right track. Hmm. You know, no angels, no earthquakes, just you're on the right track. So was there a moment when, so you're going to this house. The devil is trying to pull you back, trying right. to make it yeah. very hard for you to go yeah, in. Continually. You go in there, and some at some point between that first en entrance, uh -huh. and now you're visiting all these church churches, where was the moment when you repented, trusted in Jesus, or was it more of a gradual thing? Well, I was raised in a religion, so I knew about Jesus. He yeah. was no stranger, but I didn't have a personal relationship. So when they would tell me about Jesus, I wanted to say, Dude, I know about Jesus. I grew up with Jesus. Yeah. But I didn't know Jesus the way they knew it. And, you know, one time these guys told me, hey, you're your biggest leader. He's probably the biggest sinner in the world. I was going, oh, that's blasphemy. This is the holy man, you know, because we're told to think that this guy's holy. Hmm. So I think it was just kind of gradual. I was, you know, God had been moving me in the direction towards salvation prior to this. A week before I started hitchhiking, um... I said, I'm going to California. I'm going to start a brand new life. And immediately, this depressing blackness came on me and said, man, you ain't never leaving here. You were born in this town. You're going to die. In you ain't never leaving. And I thought, yeah, who am I kidding? I'm never going to leave. And then a minute later, like a slap in the face, another thought came to me and said, if you don't get out next week, you will never get out. So that next week on a Tuesday, yeah, and I didn't know it at the time. That the God, God and the devil were fighting over my soul. It's like um, that reminds me of when David, you know, we're reading through First and Second Samuel with the kiddos. Yeah, 
And uh, at one point, David was, um, he goes to this town for refuge mm. and he prays to the Lord. He says, God, well, is Saul going to attack the town if I'm right. here? Yeah, yeah. yeah. God says, yeah, he's going to attack. Yeah. And will the people of this town Turn surrender me over. me over to Saul? Yeah. And God says, yeah, if you stay here, yeah. that's exactly what's going to yeah, happen. So he left. So he got, he got out of Dodge. Yeah. It reminds me of that. The Lord giving yeah. you a warning. You better get out of town now yeah. because if you don't, you're not, you're never going to. He gave me a lot of warnings. Yeah. So, yeah. all right. So you're, you're going to uh, these churches. The Lord gives you this epiphany without the uh, fireworks and stuff right. as you're washing dishes. Right. And, um, what, what were those early years like as you're following the Lord? Was there a major difference? Was it more of a gradual change? Well, I thought they were really into God, you know, maybe a little excessive. So they said, well, we have to street witness. And I go, I don't want a street witness. And they said, you have to street witness. So this is Las Vegas. So my attitude in facing any challenge was take out the biggest guy in the room first and everybody else will be easy. Find the biggest, meanest guy. <laughs> so I said, if I'm in a street witness, I'm going to find the meanest guy on the street and witness to him. Everybody else should be easy. So I go to this wrinkled up old man, and, and I didn't know anything. You know, I just knew Jesus loves you. Yeah. And he died on the cross, rose from the dead. So I said, excuse me, sir. Uh, Jesus loves you. And he, and he goes, get away from me. And I was going, oh, but God died for your sins. And he goes, I'm going to call a cop. And I was going, oh. So then I figured, okay, so much for street witnessing that. So then the, the pastor came along and goes, how'd it go? And I go, man, I'm too good. I guess I'm done. He goes, we should try again. I was going, oh, jeez. What are these guys? People are masochists. Is this, this is Shiloh or this is your this church? Is, this is Shiloh. Okay. So this time I picked somebody who looks friendly. Okay. So then I start sharing the gospel with him. And it wasn't so bad. But um, remember the first time I led somebody to Christ, I was praying and praying and praying. And this reminds me of you. When you were a little boy, I, before you really started talking much, I used to say, Joel, Jolie, I love you. And you wouldn't say anything. Wouldn't say, and finally you said, I love you. And hearing you say those words was just such a treasure in my yeah. heart. So I used to pray that God would speak to me, speak to me, speak to me. So the first time God spoke to me, I'm laying up in my bunk bed. It's late at night. I've worked like a dog because in the commune, you work. Oh, yeah. And I got mad at God. I said, I've worked all day for you, for your service. I should be exhausted. You let me sleep. And the spirit said, go take a walk. And I said, well, I know that's not God because God speaks in old English. <laughs> but I got up and I went across the street and, and there was these guys that were smoking dope. Want some dope? No, thanks. But, you know, I want to tell you mm -hmm. about Jesus. Mm -hmm. So I said, yeah, I'm not afraid of death anymore. You know, I used to be terrified of death and demons and, yeah. and mirrors and you know, all kind of weird stuff. The guy goes, you mean if I go to my car and get my gun, you're not going to be afraid if I shoot you in the head? And I was going... Oh, it's like <laughs> what an extreme response! I, I know. It's like, like, so it's uh, like share the gospel with you. Oh, like, okay. It's That's like, Lord, I, you know, I'm only 19, but yeah, I guess this is your will. All right. <laughs> I guess I've had a good run. It's been a good two weeks, yeah. sir. So and then he comes back and he doesn't have a gun. So I just share the gospel. And I go home and I go to sleep. So then I pray. I said, Oh, that was amazing. So I said, Well, I'm going to pray that I can lead somebody to Christ. So I did. I led somebody to Christ. And I said, Well, I'm going to pray that I can lead two people. Not those guys. No, the, different guys. Okay. Well, yeah. how, did, how did that happen? How I was did, just street witnessing. And, you know, it's interesting about God. Uh, people have held these formulas. And the formulas is listen to God. That's the formula. Yeah, yeah. Stay close. Read your Bible. Pray. for You know, ask God to forgive you. Just spend time with God. Yeah. That's the formula. So one time That's I was true. street witnessing in California. 
and I start to go through my spiel, you know, the seven spiritual flaws or whatever it is. Yeah. And, and the spirit cuts me off and goes, he's ready. So I said, do you want to ask Jesus to be your savior? And he goes, yes, I do. Wow. You know, so he did. And and when we moved up to Alaska, so we're in this commune, this Shiloh commune, and we prayed that God would send us to Alaska because we met somebody who says, oh, there's such a need. He was from Fairbanks. But you were living in Vegas at the time. Well, from Vegas, I moved to the school in um, outside of Eugene, Oregon. Okay. In this country. Um, Is that when you were living up in the mountains and everything? Yeah, yeah, right. Sheetrock and whatnot? Yeah. No, that was Alaska. Alaska. Yeah. So um, uh, what was I going? Uh, So so you're praying that God would send you up to Alaska. Okay, right. So God answers. uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Oh, so anyway, so we prayed that God would send us to Alaska, and he he did. But um, I I have no idea what I was going to say. So what happened when you got to Alaska? Oh, so oh, here's what I wanted to say. Now, Parker has always insisted that I'm an evangelist, and I said, no, Billy Graham's an evangelist. I, I always found my strongest gifts were hospitality, encouragement, and giving. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. yeah. So those are the ones that I focus on. But in truth, I am an evangelist because when we went up to Alaska, we started sharing uh, Christ. In the first month, I led 10 people to Christ. Wow. I'm just street when singing, boom, boom, boom. Wow. And nobody else led anybody to anything, you know, not even a horse to water. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, that's not me. I'm, you know, I'm just a grunt. Wow. So, so I, I, I am an evangelist, but, um, you know, not like Billy Graham. I'm just, I'm me. What was the difference between you and Billy Graham? Well, first of all, he's polished and he has a really cool Southern accent. He's got this amazing hair. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Billy Graham is more proper. He's more, you know, he, he went to school, and, and I went to school. Yeah. I went to, you know, two or three different Bible schools. But I'm kind of a seat-of-the-pants evangelist because one of the things that rankled me so much when I first became a Christian was people taking God's name in vain because when I was a non-Christian, I did that all the time. Yeah. And so that really upset me. And the biggest complaint that I had against God before I was a Christian was God's boring. He's boring. I don't have anything to do with that. Hmm. So now that I'm saved, I realize God is anything but boring. Yeah. You know, he's wrath and he's judgment and he's joy and he's long suffering. But none of those attributes are ever boring. Right. Right. So the clarion call of my life has been to portray God as not boring. Hmm. God is wildly, wildly inventive. And he gives me some of the most. Uh, so I'm a storyteller. I'm yeah. a writer. Uh, right now, I've got over a hundred books published. Is it is it over 110? Because I wrote in the description. 110. 110. 110. Okay. And you know. Good. And I just think I just had the 111th proof today. Yeah. So and, and my pen name is Frankie Chocolate, which is a totally cool name. It took a long time to get to. That. It's it's definitely a name. It's a name. It's definitely a name. Okay. But uh, no no. Uh, and and uh, your number one fan is Jesus. And your number two fan is uh, J- Jacob, Jacob yeah. my grandson. Yeah, we're, uh, we're gonna have Jacob actually on the podcast tomorrow. Oh, that'll uh, be fun. We're gonna do like a um, I want to see that Thanksgiving episode. Yeah. So you're gonna have to be on your toes because he will match you, word for word. Yeah, he, he will. Word. Yeah, he definitely will. So we were talking about Shiloh. Yeah. And so I was there for two and a, two and a half, three years, and then I just got tired of being in the commune. You know, having no shoelaces. Yeah. And you know, not having any money, so I came home. And, uh, you know, I met my wife in the church, and I uh, 
I knew her a month, and she was really special. She was very kind-hearted. And, you know, she she said, I'll make you a meal. And all the other girls were happy to let me spend my money. And I was like, I'm going to make me a meal. So I remember one day after dating her a month, I asked the Lord, I said, should I ask this girl? And I, for the first time in my life, I made a conscious decision. Do you want to have this girl as a friend? Do you want to pursue something more? I'd never done that before. I just mm. float around. But so first time in my life, oh, and God helped me to sort out why your mom would be such a good mate because i had an idea about this other girl and and I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate and i'm going you know she really doesn't have the face you were looking for and then the answer came back well if you love her this is that the most and i said no if you love her so all my attributes all my qualities i said she's not this she's not that she's and then the answer came back but if you love him if yeah. you love her you know is that and I said no, you know, love trumps everything. Yeah. So once I settled down all my checklist that I could be with this girl, be if I loved her, God said, Well, okay, cons consider Sarah Beth. Yeah. Don't you know, don't look at this other girl, look at and and so I did. So I knew her a month and I prayed and I said, Lord, um, should I ask this girl to marry me? And clear as a bell, the Lord said, Why are you asking me? You're not going to hang it on my door if this goes south. Yeah. You're the one that has to stay married to her. And I was terrified. Well, it, that's really interesting, Pops, because you're like, you're you're taking ownership as a man yeah. for your decisions. Yeah. Instead of instead of just drifting along, you're like right. deciding, do I want to be friends or do I want to pursue someone romantically? Right. And then should I marry her or not? And I'm not just going to follow the... The, the wind and the signs and the, you know, you know. You talk about taking ownership. God yeah. God taught me a lesson with that with your brother, Parker. Okay. Okay. So um, Parker asked me to do something. And he was such a nag. You know how he's a nag. He wears yeah. you down. He yeah. just grinds you down until you finally go, do whatever you want. Leave me alone. So finally, Parker doesn't, I don't think Parker really does that with me. He doesn't really. He wears you down. He's the only one in the family who can wear you down. Me? You. How does he wear me down? He does. But let me finish my story. Oh, let me continue telling my story. So Parker asked me to do something, and, and I thought the answer is no. So I said, look, why don't we just ask God? Instead of me being the parent, I said, we'll ask God. Yeah. So I said, we'll flip a coin. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll yeah. flip a coin. Yeah. So he says, oh, yeah, okay, fine. So we flip the coin, and it comes up in his favor. I was going, yeah. that's really odd. I didn't think I'd. So in the course of the next few days, Parker asked me something, and I said, well, no. And he goes, well, let's flip on it. So I said, yeah, okay, fine. Yeah. So all of a sudden, Parker is winning every flip, uh -huh. no matter what, until finally he gets to my sacred Italian dollar. I had one dollar taped to the wall. This was my seat money to take me and my wife to, to Italy. Yeah. Parker says, I'll flip you for your sacred Italian dollar. I said, you are not getting my dollar. So he flipped, boom, he gets my dollar. And finally, I'm completely mystified. I'm flumflexed. And I said to God, what is going on? And the Lord said, you push your parental responsibility off on me. He's never going to lose a flip. And I went, ah! Yeah. So, I, so Parker asked me, I said, no more flips. The answer is yes, or the answer is no. Good. Proverbs 16.33. The lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. Yeah. Every decision comes from the Lord. Yeah. So yeah, he's he's uh, he's in charge of that. Even if, so, okay. so, so we're wandering, and I apologize. We were well. No, you know this is actually a good segue, Pop. So okay, go ahead. so the theme here is I'm seeing it is 
you know, you're following the Lord's leading, but you're learning how to take ownership. Yes. And and those two things aren't in opposition to each other. Okay. Um, you're 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 not leaning on your own understanding, but you are you are seeking wisdom, you're seeking knowledge, you're seeking understanding, but you're also trusting the Lord. Yes. And and it's not one or the other. It's not I I, I talked to a young man um a few months ago and he was telling me he's like, you know, uh Oh, um, I, he's telling me the story of how he fell in love with this girl. And yeah. I, I stopped in her town and I didn't know why, but I picked up the phone and I, I called her. I didn't know why I called her. And it's like, I'm, I'm sitting here listening to him. And I'm like, like, bro, you're trying to make it seem like this is this mystical yeah. thing. You called her because you're interested in it. Like, yeah. why just own it? Yeah. Yeah. Just own it. Like yeah. pray and then make a decision and don't, don't try to explain this mystical connection. Yeah. Cause you it's know. not there. No, just. You wanted to call her and, and you know yeah. be a man about it. Yeah. But you're following the Lord's leading, pops. And um, uh, skipping ahead a few years, you started your company, right. cleaning cleaning yes. company. Yes. Yes. And um, so this is this is where I really got to see you in action in terms of being an evangelist. And I, I don't know if this is why Parker says you're an evangelist, but in your interactions with your clients, your customers. Um, you always try to encourage, but there's other things that you do too to really like spread the love of Jesus, spread the hope of Jesus. Okay. Do, um, one of them is leaving Bibles. Right. Sure. What, what's your um, when you when you go into when you enter into a uh, uh, a business deal with somebody, you you know you solicit and say hey, let me uh, you know here's how much I charge to clean right. your office and whatnot. Are you thinking? Are you thinking in the back of your mind? I need to flip this. Or I need to to bring this conversation around to a gospel kind of conversation? No. Well, no. How, how does how does that look like for you? Because there's people, people, you know, want to know how to incorporate their faith okay. into their daily life okay. and have more evangelistic right. conversations. Okay. How does that happen? So the first thing I would say is fear is the crippler uh, of evangelism because the Bible says the fear of man brings a snare. And then there's a, something positive yeah, yeah, yeah. on the other end. Whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Right. Okay. I think so. If you're focusing on your in insufficiencies, your inadequacies, you're always going to come up short. Uh-huh. You know, the president of the United States would come up short. You know, the Pope, anybody, if they focus on themselves, they're going to say this is terrible. Okay. So I don't focus on me because the Bible says man at his best state is altogether lighter than vanity. Mm. King James, forgive me. So. The first thing I think is, you know, Lord, thank you for giving me this opportunity. And you know, she already knows what the price is. So I want to, I want to clean like it belongs to Jesus. Mm. It does no good to say God bless you and do a crappy job because people can say, "Don't tell me Jesus, show me Jesus." Yeah, yeah. I want this, I want that spot out. Yeah. And it helps that I'm an anal retentive. So I mean, I really, really, really clean. Yeah. And, and one day God gave me that compliment because you're a very good cleaner, and that made me want to clean even more. So, you know, I'll give them a Bible and my whole sermon, I mean, I buy Bibles by the hundreds. Mm-hmm. And so I'll give them a goodie bag. And my whole sermon is, you know, I'm taking out the lipstick and the uh, the chapstick and the nail files and the hand cream and all the rest of that stuff. My whole Oh, this is all in the goodie in bag. In the goodie bag. I, yeah, your... I give a new client a goodie yeah. bag. And I, when I get to the Bible, I say, if you read this, your life will be better. Yeah. And almost anybody, almost everybody will take it. And a lot of times they have no intention of reading it, but I, I'm giving them, you know, and the next time I come, I don't give them a Bible because I figured you've already got one you're ignoring. I'm not going to give you, yeah. you know, the, the full set. Yeah. So um, I try to show God by my work 
And the Bible says the laborer is worthy of his hire. You know, so I charge a fair price. Yeah. I don't give it away unless God tells me to. And sometimes God has told me, you know, I want you to do this job for free. Yeah. And I go, yes, sir. And that's yeah. usually with Elisa and me. <laughs> We're usually the recipients of that. Well, you know, it's funny about cleaning your stove. I had no intent. Did they know about your stove? Uh, I did mention on a previous episode that I nearly burned down our house simply by cooking some bacon. Um, and so the, the aftermath of that is we had smoke, uh, soot, soot all over everything. And, uh, my dad came and, you know, we, he, we had to get everything cleaned because all that grease was up in the vent. And if more heat got right. up in there, it could right. start our house on fire. So my dad came, cleaned it all out. I think I was probably kicking back, drinking a margarita or something while he was doing that. Well, um, well, here's the funny thing about that. When I heard that you had this smoke fire, I thought, yeah, he needs to get a professional over there. But it never occurred to me that I was going to be the professional. And then, But, you know, the Bible says that God puts it in your heart both to will and to do yeah. his good pleasure. Yeah. And I had no idea his good pleasure would me, be me cleaning that. But it was so it was so odd. One morning I woke up and I was real happy. And I thought, you know, today would be a perfect day to go clean Joel's stove. And I go, part of me go, I don't want to clean that nasty thing. That's, you know, but God just gave me such joy and I'm doing it and the dirt's coming off. And because yeah. I'm anal, I'm getting it all. Yeah. I'm getting it all with exception to the broiler because I'm fat and I can't get under there. Yeah. So forgive me for. So then when I got done, I had such joy. Oh, it was a total blessing. Yes. Totally but, encouraged. But I have to tell you, I have to tell you about our puppies. This is. Okay. Is this, this is, this is about evangel you're going to evangelize the puppies? Can we? We'll get okay. We'll, we, we'll save we, the puppy. Can we, ta can we table it? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Can we table that because yeah, go ahead. because um, the uh, evangelism. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I want to circle back. You, you say that you uh, give out a Bible. Yes. So that's that's interesting because a lot of people will give out like a, a tract. Although right. that's pretty old school. Most yeah. people don't even do that anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so walk us through this, pops, because what I'd like to leave our listeners with is like a practical thing they can do. So not okay. everybody is a carpet cleaner. Right. But everybody has some kind of interaction with yes. somebody during yes. the week. Okay. Okay. So you go in, you you give your spiel, you you pitch, you know, uh now if the person doesn't agree to have you clean their carpets, do you still give them a Bible? Oh yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So so they get, they get that. And they think, oh, all this valuable stuff, and I go, Yeah, the most valuable thing is the one you're never gonna use. Okay, so so walk us through that then. How do you bridge the gap? that awkward wall that you have to climb over. Maybe you don't feel the awkward wall, but it's like you're starting a conversation with somebody, you're talking about life, you're talking about cleaning carpets, you're talking about doing business. And now, all of a sudden, you know in your mind, you've got to talk to this person about Jesus or about God, or you've got to explain the fact, okay. I'm giving you a Bible, okay. that's probably going to be weird to you. Okay. How do you bridge that gap? Okay, if you have that mentality, you've boxed yourself into a, an unwinnable situation. Okay. Because... The idea that I have to come up with something, yeah. you know, is wrong. God has to come up with something. Okay. Okay. So my sermon is cleaning like nobody else did. Mm. Okay. Now, if I get a chance to tell them about Jesus, I will. Okay. But, you know, sometimes I won't. But I choose to be Christ-like. I let them be in, in charge of the conversation. I let them be in charge in their home. I ask them if I can do anything. May I turn on your light? May I pull in your driveway? And so, because when you have somebody strange in your house, you don't know how they're going to hurt you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I set them at ease, and then I choose 
to be positive. I mean, I, I have bad days just like you do. Sure. But I don't focus on that. I say, I need to represent Christ here. Okay. And Christ, to me, is the happiest guy I know. Yeah. So I'm happy, and I'm skilled at my work. I'm especially glad to do a good job because I, I haven't been good at a lot of things in my life. Hmm. You know, I've got attention deficit with hyperactivity. You know, I did really poorly in school. It took me five years to get out of high school. It took me five years, you know, to get out of college. You know, math is my kryptonite. So I don't have a lot of things going for me other than this beautiful face. Yeah, yeah. It's right. case moneymaker. That's, 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 that's how we get by in life. So, so for me to be good at something, you know, like it would have been nicer if I was good at making money. But, <laughs> but being good at cleaning, it's a gift. And yeah. God even told me one day, He says, "You're a really good cleaner." <laughs> okay, let's yeah. go. Yeah. So it's gratifying to me to be able to do something and do it well for the glory of God. So you're, you're going in there with the mentality, I'm going to be joyful, I'm going to represent Jesus through my work yes. and through my attitude. Yes. And and then how do you give them the Bible? You give them a goodie bag. Right. Okay, what about uh, what, what about somebody who's in business and they don't necessarily have a goodie bag, but they want to, they want to give a Bible, they want to give a tract. What, what do you say as you're handing it over? Okay, just something simple. Just... You know, I got this for you. You know, okay. or, or this could be an encouragement. You know, a lot of yeah, times, yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what God good. tells me? God tells me, perhaps. You know, He could say, "Thou shalt not." You yeah, know, yeah. but He goes, "Perhaps." Hmm. So it's a soft entrance. But again, your focus cannot be on what am I going to do? What am I going to say? I'm going to say it wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's yeah. just the first thing God wants you to be is yourself. Yeah. You know, so. He doesn't need another Billy Graham, but he needs the best Jimmy he can possibly get. Yeah. So that's somebody who's read up and prayed up and confessed up. Yeah. And, you know, we sin all day long. At the end of the day, you ask God to forgive you, and, and he does. Yeah. You know. So the important thing is, no matter what your capacity, whatever you do, first that you be yourself. Okay. You be genuine. And don't worry about the words. And don't think about yourself too much. Yeah, because, oh! You know, yeah. it's a vicious, but, you know, you can get Bibles cheap. I, I get, I forget what translation it is, but it's like a, a buck or two for the whole Bible. Is it ESV? Yeah, ESV. Yeah. Yeah. And a Christian book distributor. Okay. You know, cheap. So I'll buy 100, 200, and, you know, I'll put them in my goodie bags. So I just say, you know, you know, this will be an encouragement to you. That's awesome. You know, every now and then somebody will go, well, I don't want any. And I want to say, yeah, well, you're going to hell, pal. Yeah. But, you know, Jesus wouldn't do that. Jesus wouldn't condemn. So, but I need to have a sweet spirit. So I go, okay, fine. And, and they'll say, I don't want the answer, you know, because, you know, they feel like a jerk rejecting God's word. So whatever. Yeah. So the first thing is quit focusing on yourself. Focus on God. If God was in your room, like if God was sitting across the way there, mm -hmm. and I wanted to share you, I have such courage because I say, the Lord is looking at me. Yeah. The Bible says, he that is ashamed of me on earth, I'll be ashamed before my father. Yeah. I don't want God to be ashamed of me. Yeah. Yeah. So I realize his eye is on me, mm. and I'll say, here's God's word. You know, This would be a blessing. Or, or you know what else I'll say? And this completely blows their mind. Okay. At the end of the conversation, I'll say, what can I pray for you for? Yeah. And yeah. a lot of times they throw me this softball yeah pray for family, world, world peace, peace. Yeah, yeah pray for good health yeah. and every now and then i get sick of it and i go i say what can i pray 
pray for you for and don't give me that baloney about world peace or your health i want to really know yeah. and then they'll say well i've got cancer and i go oh jeez yeah. yeah so sometimes i don't let them give me those softballs but you can then uh uh, uh develop that into well, t tell me about that uh how are you doing with that you know how how are you how are you how are you handling that yeah Right? right, and you can you can because parlay people, that into a Christian people, people, uh, gospel conversation. People want to share, because the the truth is, your favorite subject in the entire world is you. Amen. And, and you know, I want to talk about me. Yeah. And, and so, if you give people an opportunity, and they'll see it's safe, you're not going to judge them. Yeah. You know, then they'll open up. Yeah. And it's super rare to find somebody who actually wants to listen to you. Yeah. Rather than just get a word in edge. Yeah. Or think about what you're going to say. And, yeah. You know, so I prayed with a couple of people over the, over. The, you know, over my, you know, all these years of carpet cleaning. And uh, one lady, real pretty lady, rich lady, she's in the process of divorcing her husband because she's in love with this guy, uh -oh. this other guy. And she goes, I wish I could get a sign from God. And I said, you want a sign from God? Here it is. Don't divorce your husband. Don't marry that guy. It's right in her yeah, face. Yeah, yeah, good. Oh, but I love him. And I said, control your emotions. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. And uh, so I said, that's your sign. You know, God's telling yeah. me to tell you, don't divorce him. Yeah. Oh, but he's a paraplegic. And I said, I don't care how pathetic he is and how much he needs you. Yeah. And just like my friend who's on the next block, she was seeing a guy who's in the process of divorce. And one day she came over with her dog and God had me give her both barrels. Yeah. I said, you are the other woman. You are coming to between him. Oh, and she couldn't get away from it. And she goes, you're right. And she quit seeing the guy. Well, speaking with people, frankly, like that is possible when your eyes aren't on yourself and and you're really you're you're trying to please the Lord. Yeah, you're not worried about how you're going to come off to, to the other person. In other words, right. how, well, what is this person going to think of me? And it's like you said, the fear of man lays a snare. Right. And uh, but the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Yes. And yes. Uh, man, what was I just reading this morning about? Oh, um, I just did. So I try to do a proverb of the day. And uh, you know, post some notes on it on the Bible app yeah. and on uh, you know different social media. Yeah, and it was um, uh, with uh, the one who is wise multiplies strength, basically. Oh. And you know, biblically speaking, wisdom comes from God. Right. James says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask right. God, and he'll give generously without finding fault. Right. 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 And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So it's like if you if you trust in the Lord. The righteous are as bold as a lion. That's right. The 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 wicked flee when no one is pursuing. Right. So it's like, well, which you want more strength and courage for evangelism? Take your eyes off yourself and yes. all your feebleness because yes. you are feeble. Right. You're plenty. You're right. plenty fallible. Right. You know, your righteousnesses are like filthy rags. Right. But if you turn your eyes on Jesus, you realize what He did for you. He died on the cross. He conquered death for you. You know, he went to hell and back for you. Right. He's now reigning with the Father in heaven, interceding for you. His Holy Spirit right. is inside of you. Right. And and someday, like you said, he's going to hold you accountable. He's going to hold the other person accountable. Right. But he's also going to hold you accountable. And you want to hear him say, well done, well good done. and faithful servant. Right. It's like, man, you think about that. Right. You can't lose. Yeah. He's pulling for you. Yeah, totally. You know? Totally. So. Um, That's good. So. So. Uh, um, in terms of uh, your writing pops, because I really would, I want to talk about this. I know, yeah. I know you're chopping at the bit to yeah. talk about those pops, but um, oh, yeah, I, I, I'll tell you about the pops. Well, what's up with your in your writing? You've written over 110 books. Yes, and um, one of the things that you do really, really well, Dad, really well, is 
you tell a story that is firmly rooted in the truth yes. in, the, in the biblical worldview, which we talk about all the time on this show. Right. And um, and you do it in a way that is, um, it's not browbeating. It's not just a pure allegory for the gospel or something like that. Right. right. But but you infuse the gospel into your writing. Yes. I, how, what in, what inspires you in your writing, and how do you make your writing so? gospel focused and got and gospel infused without beating people over the head with it okay so my attitude when i'm telling a story is i want to put my arm around the listener and go hey hey look at this over here now sometimes it's often it's me being a buffoon because people love that you know <laughs> this guy's a clown because clowns are non-threatening right and if you can open yourself, some people have clown phobia, so maybe that's a bad clown. It's a clown, but a lot of times, you know, I'll come up with with alter egos. One of my alter egos a few years ago was Mike Anvil, and right. Mike Anvil is is everything I'm not. He's a huge, powerful carpet cleaner, and it was based on Jack. Oh. And Jack is a brute of a man. He loves God, but he is an absolute beast. So lately, I've got another alter ego called jack the nose jack is a celestial he's got all these powers he can fight demons he can walk through time the way you walk through a wall mm. you know and so he's he's been with moses when they're leaving egypt and he was he had a drinking party with uh, nebuchadnezzar and he was in the fiery furnace with shadrach so he's and he's a goof he's always whipping up these perfumes to sell to the fat cats of rigel seven and then he flings around platinum like, but he's a character, and almost always something bad happens to Jack, and it's it's really endearing. Here's an example: across the street, this is real life. This is not a story. Across the street, there's the biggest dog in town, hmm. and what's his name? Maybe I shouldn't say. So there's this monster pit bull in my town. When you buy your house, they give you the deed and a baby pit bull, because or that or chihuahua. Yeah. So this thing is a monster. For three years, I've been seeing him. Finally, I said to the people, is your dog friendly? Oh, he's so friendly. Come over and see him. So I get close, and when I'm within chomping distance, for the first time in my life, I see a wicked gleam in an animal's eye, and I throw myself backwards as he lunges forward, gets my foot in his monstrous jaw, is chomping down, and I said, I will check to see if I'm bleeding later. So I'm throwing myself backwards. Yeah. And they're going, oh, look at how much he loves you. And I'm going, yeah, with parsley behind my ear. Yeah, yeah. And so, an apple in my mouth. Yeah, so so I start to write the story about the bad dog across the street. And then God says, I've got a different ending for you. So this is the ending. Okay. Jack the Nose comes by, and he's talking to Frankie Chocolate. And Frankie says, I'm afraid of that dog. So Jack says, all right, let me eat the last of your prosciutto. Let me sleep in your favorite reclining chair, and I'll see what I can do. So a few days later, this monstrous dog breaks his chain and is bounding over the street. I'm on the wraparound porch, and I'm going, Jesus, take me home because my life is over. But the dog leaps past me, and he jumps on tofu me sitting in a, a chaise lounge. It looks just like me, but it's made out of tofu with electric cattle prod sticking out here. So the dog goes, chop, and two or three chops. Finally, he staggers home. And over the next couple of weeks, the squirrels, the little ducks, the birds, the mailman, they're all made out of tofu, and they've got cattle prods and electric chargers. So by the end of the month, 
this massively mean dog has been redeemed and little squirrels sleep on his paws and birds nest in his hair. So God gave me that ending. Yeah. Now on the cover of this book, you guys really should see this. On the cover of this book, <coughs> there's me standing on the porch laughing, looking down at tofu me in the lounge chair. And over here is this ginormous dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that sounds that sounds like that story should have been told, but like already. That sounds like so like that's a good story, Pops. Okay, so so the underlying thing is redemption. Okay. God is into redemption. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, how was how does that how does tofu you point to redemption? Well, Jesus gave me the story. I was just gonna say he's a bad dog. I want to shoot him. Oh, and so what God's right. saying is, I want to redeem the dog. So yeah, the yeah, worst yeah. person on earth could see themselves as the bad dog. Right. And they're going to say, through a series of events, God will arrange in your life. God will redeem you. You know what's really amazing, Pops? What's that? Um, mm -hmm. Jacob pointed this out. So we're going through with the kids. Uh, we wanted to read through a, a large swath of Scripture. Together. Yeah, good. And I thought, um, what part of the Bible is the most like the Chronicles of Narnia or uh, the Hobbit or something, you know, where can we get the battles and the intrigue and the drama? Was it, was it Kings? Well, we're working our way to Kings. So Samuel, we, we were in, we're in second Samuel now, but we started in Joshua. Oh yeah. So we went Joshua, yeah. judges, Ruth, oh, yeah. first Those Samuel. Great. And now we're, we just finished second Samuel this morning. Yeah. And you know, one of the things we always do is we, we, we go to the kids, we go, okay, who can recap the story for us? Okay, tell us, you know, David did this. Yeah. He had his mighty men. Yeah. Um, and then we'll always ask the question, Elisa and I will ask the question, how do we see this story pointing to Jesus? And we'll talk about how David is a type of Christ and how, you know, David had his band of vagabonds with him. Right. And, uh, and you know, but they, they, the people who didn't have a home or, um, they were unloved. They all came to David, and they right. found that he was their king. He was their ruler. Right. And it's like Jesus does the same thing oh. for us. Jesus, you know, when we feel lost and we feel rejected by the world, we can go. And I'm telling you that the story of David, if you trace through his life, everything that man did, in some way, pointed to Jesus. Wow. And and Jacob points out to me the other day. He goes, man. Oh, you know what? Oh, get this. You know Absalom? Yeah, Absalom. Okay. Sister so, hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The the, the quaffed one. So Absalom uh is an enemy of David, the enemy yes. of the king. He um he gets hung on a tree by his hair. He get, but he gets hung on a tree. And then he gets stabbed with a spear, actually two spears. Right, javelins. And then he gets buried and right. covered by stones. Yeah. And I'm talking with, with the kids. I'm like, how does this point to Jesus? Oh, this is a tough one, right? You know, that, that, okay, Lord, help us out here. Absalom was an enemy of the king. He was a rebel. What does the rebel get? What does the rebel deserve? Death. He, to be hung on the tree, yeah. stabbed with the spear, buried in the ground, covered with stones. Jesus comes along, totally innocent. In fact, he is the king. Jesus comes along, and we are the rebels. We deserve all those things, to get hung on the tree, we do stabbed with him. the spear. And that's what Jesus gets. Wow. Jesus gets hung on the tree, stabbed with the spear, buried, covered with a stone. And it's like Jesus takes the punishment that the rebel deserves wow. that we should have got because we rebelled against the king. Only then Jesus does it on our behalf. And then unlike Absalom, Jesus rises from the dead, right. conquering so that we don't have to go through right. the, the punishment. And it's really, it's a metaphor, you know, for, yeah. for hell. It's wow. you know, punishment. Whoever is hung on a tree is cursed. That's right. According to the Bible. So Jesus takes that curse for us, and it's like, yeah, that was foreshadowed. 
So, um, so Jacob points out, he goes, man, God likes that story. God really likes that story. He keeps telling it over yeah. and over and over. Yeah. And, um, so that story of, of redemption of, of, uh, you know, I don't want to go too deep here and, and peer over the edge of blasphemy, but, uh, you know, the tofu takes the, uh, the to tofu is like the substitute, you know, and then because of the substitute, the dog is reformed and uh, Jesus is our substitute. I don't want to go down that road too okay. much. But, okay. But uh, so, so I use humor. I use yeah. a lot of humor um, to tell my story. How can you do that when God is so stiff and starch collared? Well, and God doesn't like to have well, well, we perceive him like that if we don't know him. Why do we perceive God that way? Why because we were told, shh, it's church. Be quiet. Stop laughing. Yeah, I tell you my know, kids that every yeah, Sunday. Yeah, don't have any fun. Yeah, this is the time to be serious. Yeah. Okay, so obviously God is serious. But, you know, as I get older, I'm almost, well, I'm 69. As I get older. No, you're not. You're 69? Yeah, 69 in August. August in 70. August you will. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. You're born in 52. Yeah. No, you're you're 68. Thank you. Yeah, whatever. So, I'm 37. As as I get older, more and more I see his sense of humor. Yeah. Um, one day I was in the shower and I'd ask God for a question and he gives me an amazing answer. And so as I'm showering, I do a lot of thinking and praying in the yeah, shower. Yeah, me too. So I said That's how I came up with Anna Sophia's name. Really? Yeah, I was in the shower, it just came to me. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. So you're So thinking. so I said, you know, Lord, I said, that was a really good answer. He goes, Well, thank you. I said, you know, if you keep this up, someday you could possibly even be me. And the spirit fires back and he goes, oh, boy. <laughs> Wait, here's another one for you. I'm driving down the road and I'm worried about money. And uh, so I says, you know, Lord, this this learning to trust you for my finances is really hard. Yeah. And the spirit says, it is for you. <laughs> Wait, here's another one. I'm in the shower and I'm a sucker for all things Israeli. So I got this Dead Sea mud. It's black and it's from the Dead Sea. So I'm lathering away and I'm going, you know, Lord, this is great. He goes, what's that? I go, well, this this bar of soap has got the Dead Sea and I mud and and it makes me feel holy. And he goes, what? He says, what do you mean? I said, well, it's got the mud in there, you know, from the Dead Sea, the mud that you put in there. And he goes, mud makes you feel closer to me. I said, well, yeah. And the Lord goes. You know, there's mud in the backyard. I put that there too. It's like, oh. So yeah. he is he is hilarious, but he's often a man of just a few words. Yeah, yeah. Just a few. He doesn't have to say, you know, well, here's another one, a one-word joke. I was having an argument with somebody, and I said to the Lord after I got to with the argument, I said, you know, I get the feeling you're on my side. And the spirit goes, Oh? Yeah. So a one-word joke. I like when um Oh, Joshua. Joshua sees the angel of the Lord. He's getting ready to go into That's battle. Right. right. He sees the angel of the Lord standing there. And, and, and I mean, I, I have to go back and check, but I, I believe he's in his, his battle armor. Right. Okay. And uh, maybe he's not, but that's how I think. But he's him. got a sword. Yeah. And he asks him, he goes, are you with us or with our enemies? He goes, no. And then he explains, you know, what's going on. He but, says, I'm for the Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm captain of the Lord's, uh, or commander of the Lord's army. Doesn't he say something like that? Something like that, yeah. yeah. Command, as as commander of the Lord Lord of hosts, I have come. Yeah, 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 right. Mm. Yeah, and it, but the answer is so subversive. You know, are you with us? Or are you with, with mm -hmm. the, are we with them? No, I'm with me. I'm right. with the Lord. Right. So now the question is, 
are you with me? Yeah, that's right. You know, that's that's a right. that's a better question to be asking. Right. So um so pops uh you know over the years you you've grown in your faith. You know, you yes. started out not even really sure right. that you know the Lord, that you're right. saved, you're going down to all these different altar calls. Right. Um you know, God uh redeemed your life, you know, like the bad dog and, right. and turned you into uh into um a better dog. Advantage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh and, and an evangelist and a, a worker and whatnot. Where do you see the Lord taking you next? And um, you know, what's uh, what do you see the Lord doing in your life now? Um, so I do zero introspection. Yeah, really, I, I really don't contemplate me yeah. much at all. Yeah, okay. I like talking about me, but I don't do a lot of internal. You know. Uh, yeah. So one day, this pastor, who I don't have a lot of his respect, gave the best sermon of his life, and he said. What are you going to do with the rest of the time that God has given you? And immediately, God gave me three things. Boom, boom, boom. Okay. And I said, whoa. So the first thing he said was, I want you to pray that I will fill the world with your stories. Mm -hmm. Every people, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, that my stories will be everywhere. Well, that that's the goal of the gospel, that it should reach every people group, every tribe. Yeah. Okay. So there's a lot of people who will never pick up the Bible, mm -hmm. but they'll pick up one of my books and they will laugh and they will howl. And at the center of each one of those stories, they will see the Lord Jesus Christ smiling back at them. Mm -hmm. So God has got me as an end around those people who will never read the Bible or read one of Frankie's books. And they're going to say, there's something about this guy. Mm -hmm. And that's something. It's my belief that if you find something that is, exceptionally beautiful or or wonderful or it's a clarion or it just excels god is at the heart of that mm. whether it's a rock and roll song or a story that's well written or a piece of sculpture god breathes and god inspires so when you said god gave you when you said you were inspired in the bathroom Anna sophia i believe that was god whispering to you yeah. so at the heart of each one of my stories, whether it's about a silly squirrel or Jack the Nose, um, is Jesus. So the first thing is that he will fill the world with my stories. The second thing is that I will nurture people, but nurture men. It's inappropriate for me to nurture women because yeah. you fall in love and it's like, oh, how did this happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Parker said it's inappropriate, and, and that sums it up really well. Yeah. So nurture Good. people. I can, I can nurture pe ladies from afar. But you know, yeah, or pass them off to mom, you know. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and and then the last one is that I'll grow as a writer, and sometimes he gives me these challenges hmm. to write. And uh, I read this touching story from a non-Christian, the most Christ-filled story I've ever read in my life. But as non-Christian, hmm. the gospel and God's love was just—it was like the Father and the Son had a contest. Who can cram more God into a story huh. and not mention, like the book of Esther doesn't yeah, mention yeah. God? Yeah. So I'm reading this, I'm going, I'm in awe, and I'm going, this guy doesn't even fear you. Yeah. I says, I've chased after you for 40 plus years. I could never write a story. So he says, give me a story like this. So the next morning, he gives me one word. He says, arrowhead. Now unpack it. So that was a story about, there's a story about Larry Cuddle. Oh. Godless, this guy I grew up with, and we were partners in crime. Yeah, but it was a—it's a touching story. It'll bring tears to your eyes. So, 
so what do I see in the future? Yeah. Okay, so I wear a lot of hats. I'm a husband. I'm a father. You know, I'm a lover. I'm a counselor. I take young men out, and I take them out for meals, and we talk, you know, people closer to my age. And sometimes we'll talk about God. Sometimes we'll just talk about their divorce, how it's not going so well, mm. or, you know, whatever. But, you know, I'm available. I'm a friend, and I try not to beat them over the head with the gospel. I just try to be loving. Yeah. But above all these things, God has said, your number one goal in life is to write. Hmm. Now, I want to see the fruit of my labors. You know, he said, you pray that the world will be filled with your stories. And I'm going, that means mad cash. I would love mad cash because one of my gifts is giving. So I want to give away, man. I want to buy you a house and, you know, buy you a house. And, and I want to help missionaries. And I want to buy a lot of stupid, vain stuff for myself. Yeah. Okay. So I want mad cash. But God purposely keeps me poorer than poor. He'll bring in $10,000, and then it'll go towards life, and then it'll be gone. Yeah. The other thing he does, you know, I want fame and glory. People go, Jim, you're the best. I go, I know, I know. You know, I want to I eat it up. But what God does is God keeps me in the howling wilderness, a desert, and every now and then, he brings me to an oasis. Hmm. Someone will read my stuff and they'll go, oh, I can't tell you what your words have meant to me. And for a short time, I'm in your way and I'm basking. And go, tell me more about me. And then they go away. Yeah. No matter what I do, I can't keep them. And the Lord says, that's enough time in the oasis. So, so here's another example. Your mom would rather have her fingernails ripped out than read one of my stories. And I, I say to the Lord, I go, well, why did you give me this woman? I thought she's supposed to be a helpmate. And the Lord says, she's perfect for you because if she was your sun and moon and stars, you wouldn't need me. Yeah. So I made her to not appreciate your stories. She's not wired. So quit trying to read. And one time I wrote this amazing story. I said, she's going to get this. And the Lord goes, she won't get it. So I says, Sarah Beth, and I give it to her and eh, flat. And the Lord's going, well, I told you she and It's like, okay. So the number one thing he wants me to do is to write and write and write. Now, here's what Ross Heisey told me. I was just trying to look up a uh, proverb real quick. Go ahead. No, you know what? It was so, it was a song. I, I saw my right earlier today. I don't know if it was 39 or what, but it was basically saying like, like, don't get all worked up when you see the rich and the powerful because that's Ecclesiastes. Well, it's in Ecclesiastes too, but okay. it's, it's the, I'm telling you, this was a song. Okay. I don't know, 59 or something, right. but it was saying, you know, uh, when they die, it says the gr their grave is their permanent destination. Right. They can't carry any of that stuff with them. Right. And I was thinking of one particularly uh, political, rich, fat cat. And I'm thinking, and 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 in my heart, I've been seething towards this yes. guy because I've been yes. thinking, you know, you're nothing but a tyrant. You're nothing right. but you know this and that. And I'm reading this, and it's like the Lord was showing me, like, don't get all worked up about this guy. His reward is here and now, and right. then he's got nothing. Right. And I'm thinking, man, that really puts things in perspective. Yeah. So, you know, all this, the, the desire for the fame and the wealth. Yeah. I, I've seen God dead. I've seen God provide for you in the most unbelievably incredible well, yes. ways. Yes. And it's like, it's like the pheasants in the wilderness. It's like the manna in the wilderness. And he gives you what you need. Right. And then lets you trust right. him again. Right. And then he gives you a little bit more right. that you need, and, and, and so, that's not a bad way to live. Okay, so this is, but it's not my choice. Well, yeah. It's no, his no, choice. Sure, sure. I want to be fat and yeah. rich. And, yeah. Okay, so 
Ross Heisey is one of the most godly men yeah. that I know. No question. He's a straight razor toad. He was your music choir director. Choir director. All of the kids. A good man. Yeah. And, you know, and very conservative. Very yeah. straight. Like, so Ross loves my stuff. And I'm going, how does Ross, like, because, you know, I am way out in left field. And Ross gives my stuff out for Christmas presents. Huh. He buys my books. So one day I'm feeling blue. And then Ross says, and God's speaking through him. He goes, it's obvious that future generations will be blessed by your writing. I go, oh, oh, you know, because I'm writing and nobody buys these books. Hmm. You know, I'll get two sales a year. And it's only because I told somebody I mentioned you in a book. Yeah. You know, and, and so God says, you know, leave the fame and leave the glory and, you know, leave the desire. He says, I want you to write for me. And so he gave me an image one time. Uh, I'm in a nightclub. I'm sitting up on a stage. The nightclub is completely empty. There's one person in the seats as close as he can, and I'm telling my stories. When I get done, he's clapping, and he goes, that was amazing. Oh, do you have any more? So it's Jesus and me. Hmm. So he says, I want you to write for me, an audience of one. Yeah. And and here's another inspiration. Um, you know, I will send my stuff off to important people. And most of the time, they will not respond, or else they'll respond mean, hmm. just just out and out mean. You know, you're a no nothing, this and that. And really, people are oh, responding yeah, that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then pastors, some of the pastors were just like, "Dude, I think you left Jesus a long time ago." Yeesh. So, but Stan Lee wrote something that would just breathe life into me. He goes, "Write about what you like, and maybe somebody else will like it too." Hmm. So I've got my own style. Yeah. And I write, and I write, and I write. I, you know, God will get me up at 3 in the morning, and he'll give me a story. And it's a hilarious story. And I'll say, you know, Lord, this would have been just as funny at 6 in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Because I want you to do that. But now, can I tell you about the puppies? Yeah, yeah, All right, okay. all right. Real quick, real quick. Go ahead. Where can everybody find your books, Pop? So, Frankie Chocolate. Frankie Chocolate. And and recommend a book Recommend a book for our, our listeners. Like, okay. Like right now, because I'm telling you, the stuff is very good. Okay. It's very you. good. It, I I really enjoy it. Thank you. Not quite as much as Jacob enjoys it, but but okay. I really do enjoy it. It's always very good. You know, I I respond. I respond. Yeah, you to your do. Stories. Right. So what's your uh, okay? So the best book I've ever written is the Fur Coat to Die For and other short stories. That was my first book. Mm. It's a short read. It's under fifty pages. Nine stories. Nine nine wonderful pictures. One of those stories you told me about the unfriendly guy. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Okay. So. When I did my first book, I didn't know you weren't supposed to put the absolute best in the first one. And so, you know, my eulogy in there, and to me, that's the best story I've ever written, mm. you know, about my my demise. And, you know, it's great. And, uh, well, I have to tell you this. This may sound like I'm vain, and, and I am. But the Lord told me, when I was talking about, you know, me dying. And, you know, it's depressing to think about me not being here. And the Lord told me one day, he said, a lot of people will be sad. when you're gone. So I thought, well, that's nice. So um, so I want to tell you about the puppies. Oh, that's it? What? It's, what, what? Yeah, a lot of people are going to be sad. You, that's it? You just yeah. going to mention that? Yeah. Well, that's true. That's true. Okay. Right. So I want to tell you about the puppies. Well, Moses lived to 120, so you got some time. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. You know. So I get this call from this, this church, and they say, we want you to give us a price. And I said, okay, I need to look at it. And she says, we don't have a lot of money. So, okay, got it. You know, I'll be fair. So three or four times she's telling me, you look, you know, if it's going to be expensive, and I'm getting weary. 
So I said, let me come out. I'll be fair. I'll, I'll do a free demonstration. So I come out and, uh, you know, the carpet's terrible. So I said, I'll clean this. And, she's, and I said, yeah, I know. You don't have any money. I get that. Mm -hmm. Let me clean. So I'm cleaning and um and the lady's astounded so i say this is the price it's a fair price and she goes oh um that's 25 dollars more than i'm authorized to spend and all of a sudden i see red because more often than not when i bid on a church they think it's important that they beat up the carpet cleaner because that'll glorify god if they screw me yeah and so i am furious and I'm ready to walk out the door, and she sees that, and she goes, well, maybe I can get authorization for the 25, and I go, yeah, okay, you try. So I start cleaning, and I'm scrubbing away, and she says, okay, we'll give you the extra 25. So I'm scrubbing, and, and, and I enjoy cleaning. I'm, it's really satisfying. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, I, I'm off on Mars cleaning. Yeah. I'm not really there. So then the Lord reminds me, and he goes, you know that, uh, that dollar amount that you're charging? And I said, yes, sir. And he says, um, now, you won't really miss that. And I said, well, yeah, that's true. And he goes, um, maybe you should clean for free. And I said, sir, do you remember 15 years ago when it was a different pastor? I came to this church and I saw how poor they were, and I cleaned for free then, too. Huh. And he goes, yeah, and I appreciate that, but I want you to do it again. And I thought, God tells me to do it. I'll do it. Yeah. So I get done, and the lady hands me a credit card, and I said, I don't take those. So she goes, and I said, sign this work order. And she sees the work order zero. She goes, what's this? And I said, I told you I fear God. Now, there's no charge, but, you know, you may not tell people in your congregation that I clean for free because mm -hmm. all the saints will want me to clean their carpet. Yeah. So she's, oh, and, you know, she feels really bad because she was beating me up. Yeah. So I'm going away. And you know how you feel benevolent when you did something good? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. So I'm driving home, and I'm Mr. Benevolence. Benevolence is just pouring out of me. Yeah. And so the Lord is sitting on his throne, and he's looking at me. He's not saying nothing. He's just looking at me. So I'm looking at him driving the car. And I said, I'm not going to ask you for anything. And the Lord says, oh? And I said, yeah. But what comes to mind is what David told Nabal after Nabal was starting to shear his sheep. And he goes, whatsoever thou findeth in thy hand, let that be given to your servant. So I said, sir, I'm not going to. And you got to remember, this is the richest man in the universe. Yeah. You know, Who, you, the Lord? The Lord. Well, yeah, he, he literally owns all of it. Everything. Yeah. And so you don't want to make a mistake of saying, I want an acre of diamonds when he was all set to give you miles of diamonds. Yeah, yeah. Or you don't want to say this. He's going, I was going to give you 10 times more. Yeah. So I don't want to lose money on this deal. So I say to the Lord, whatever you find in your hand. That's like that tip you told me when you uh, – when you're negotiating on a price, you go, well, how much will you take for it? Remember that? Yeah, and then you make them, you make them put a number. Yeah. yeah well, what do you yeah, take for yeah. 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 I love doing that even after we've already agreed on a price. <laughs> I'll go there and I'll go, so what do you take for it? Like, well, well, uh, Right. Yeah, but you don't understand. I think I, can, I think I can squeeze remember, a few more dollars out of you. Remember Parker told you to do that? Yeah. <laughs> what, were you, what were you dickering oh, at? Oh, uh, you know what it was? It was um, when we got those couches from Kingpin. We got these couches, these beautiful, I don't know if I should, he might watch this someday. <laughs> He's going to know I call them Kingpin. We got these couches and this chair from this guy who, he was Kingpin. He right. was, he was he Kingpin. Was, right. He was Nelson, Wilson Fisk. Right. And he acted like him. He talked like him. Bald head, probably about 350, solid muscle. And um, and I'm like, man, I know I, 
I got to really muster up the gumption. <laughs> and Parker's encouraging you. Yeah, yeah. What did Parker I, tell you to I, say? I forget. You, know, you got to ask. You know, you gotta yeah. Ask. Like, all right, here we go. <clears throat> so what, what do you well, what do you take for it? You know. And uh, and he, he man, he dropped it like fifty bucks or something. Like yeah. That. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. And and then you know you talk him down from there a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Right. We ended up with some beautiful couches. Yeah. But but anyway, so so the point is you you let the other person make the offer. Yeah. You you don't want to limit okay. them. Okay. Their generosity. So I say to the Lord. Whatever you think is appropriate. Yeah. Now, our, our dog in the spring passed away, Logan. We used to call him El Malo, the bad one. Yeah. It turned out the other one was the bad one. but So Logan passed away, and I'm really upset. So we've got Pretend Dog. Pretend Dog is a little... This is the saddest state of affairs. I know. It, we've got a little plush dog that looks like our scruffy wire fox. It's not a real dog. It's a stuffed animal. It's a stuffed animal. Yes. So we put it on the couch where Logan used to sit when Sarah Beth is is uh, crocheting and you know I, so i'll say to pretend dog no high speed chases we're watching tv no high speed chase we see something bad and go no sleeping around so it, it's really pathetic okay you're, you're teaching life lessons to us not there you guys gotta get over and see the grandkids more <laughs> so anyway but you do you do see them so all of a sudden i find it in my heart to start looking for for new dogs and i told sir beth the day we got married, you know, almost 40 years ago, I said, when I'm old, I want a Scotty. Yeah. She said, you can't get a Scotty. They're openly superior to their masters. So at 69, I qualify as being old. Yeah. So I, I go online. No, no. Are you 69? I'm you 69. Yeah. So I go online. I find these puppies. Wait, no. Just You can figure 60, it out later. No, you're 68. You have to be 68. Okay, whatever. So... So we go online, I find these puppies, and I'm talking with them, you know, this is how much they are. And the, and the dogs are expensive. They're probably twice as expensive as other vendors. Oh. But, I mean, she's got an amazing website, and she's got all these bona fides. She's really the real deal. Mm. So I see a Scotty, you know, that they breed them, and then I see something else called a Sealyham Terrier, which is like a Scotty, but it's white. So I pull the trigger, and I say, you know, how much? He says, this much, and... You know, we'll give you a discount on this one and blah, blah, blah. But it's still an incredible amount of money. And God keeps me in a razor-thin budget. Mm. You know, sometimes I'll have 72 cents in my account for his glory. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not going to the boat. You know, it's, you know, he keeps me poor. So I say, I want a Sealyham and I want a Scotty. And I said, um, you know, I'm going to need a little bit of time to raise the money, blah, blah, blah. So then I, I'm praying because, you know, Sarah Beth, you know, it's her house too. And yeah. So I said, look, I want to show you something. So I show her the pictures, and she goes, oh, I can't decide which one. So I said, yeah, I know. We're getting both. She goes, what? <laughs> so here's the thing. So a lot of money, right? He says, I need a deposit of this much ASAP. So the next day, God brings in a job for Gabe and I, which is a little bit more than what he needs for the deposit. Wow. Boom. So I send that off, and I still need a, a whole lot of money. And then in the next day or two, God brings it in in one chunk and says, wow, there's for the dogs. Wow. So I didn't take a payment. And I said, sir, whatever you think is good. So God blessed me for that little act of charity by December 12th. Sarah Beth and I and Julie, my daughter-in-law, will drive to Ohio to, um, I should give a plug for these people, for Afterglow Farms, uh, you know, very good breeder. And we're going to pick up a little boy, Scotty, and a little girl, Celia. So That's awesome. So that's how good God is to me. Oh, God is he, very good. So he knew what I, I wanted. Yeah. 
nothing uh, nothing boring about them. Nothing boring. Yeah. Okay. Well, so what else? Well, that's it, pops. You know, it, it's. Um, I mean, that's all I wanted to cover. I wanted to talk about um, you know, your testimony and uh, tips for evangelism in everyday life, and and how you incorporate uh, uh, your faith in the Lord into your work, and um, and what God's doing in your life now, and where He's taking you next, and. Um, you know what about somebody? How about this last thing? Okay, so we were talking about evangelism and and right. and uh, life and life with the Lord and how it's not boring. So somebody who's watching or listening later on in the podcast, yeah. who is in in your situation, maybe they're nineteen, maybe they're uh, maybe they're sixty eight, sixty nine, okay. and they're they're thinking, you know what? I've heard about God. I grew up Roman Catholic. I grew up uh, 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 Eastern Orthodox, right. and. Um, I, uh, you know, maybe I've never actually given my life to the Lord. I don't have a relationship with him. I don't know him. How does somebody get that relationship with the Lord? How do they start that relationship with Jesus? Okay. Well, the first thing to understand is that God is very eager to have a relationship with you. And he knows you better than you do. Yeah. And there's times when we're just really turds, yeah. you know, and God loves you anyway, even when you're at your worst. You know, God died for you and rose from the dead. So the first thing to understand is God is eager for a relationship with you. And he doesn't ask you to become a plaster saint and give up all your fun. He said, you know, like the Billy Graham song, Just As I Am. Mm. So God wants you to come with all your hangups, all your fears, all your doubts, and say, help me. Help me. You don't care how you pray it, but you're calling out to God. Help me. Then start reading the Bible, and he'll start guiding you. And... um. You know, when I was a young Christian, 21, I was a night security guard for my high school, and I saw this beautiful sunset. It changed from red to blue to purple. It was glorious. And the Lord said to me, from glory to glory, even as these clouds are changed from glory to glory, so will I change your life from glory to glory, if you will yield to my spirit. Mm. And I have. Wow. for. I don't know, going on for close to 50 years. Yeah. Yeah, I've yielded. In, I, I don't always, but, you know, I've sought hard after God. I read the Bible two or three times a day. I constantly talk to God, but I'm not a plaster saint. I'm not, oh, only talk about God. You know, I have fun. I joke with people. I love teasing people. And so I would say the most important thing about sharing your faith is first, you know, let go of your fear. Uh, the Bible says perfect love cast out fear because mm. fear has torment. So let go of your fear and say, Lord, you know, I'm not very skilled at this, but I want to share your love. Mm. And it's important that you love people. And, you know, it's a you can love them by giving them a hand cream. You can love them by taking out for a meal. You can love them for by just listening. One of the biggest blessings I had, I was all crushed and discouraged. This guy just listened to me. And to this day, it's a treasure. Yeah. I just listened. So God wants you to be yourself. He wants you to be happy. You know, forget being stiff. And if you don't know the four spiritual laws, that's okay. Just get a Bible and open it up and say, you know, this is for you. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And and God will bless you. And the more you do it, the better you do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. So that's yeah. a that's a really good point. I like to use Romans six twenty three, which um, is, for the wages of sin is death, mm. but the gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Yeah, and I like that. Uh, I, I, um, I've been doing that ever since I've been with, with Crew. You know, with ever yeah. since we started the Think Institute and yeah. being with Crew Church movements. Um, that one verse has it all in there. You know, the wages yeah. of sin, because everybody, everybody who 
you don't have to be introspective. You said you're not very introspective, but you knew that you did a lot of things you weren't supposed oh, to. Oh yeah, do. yeah, I was a sinner. Yeah, we all and we all know that. We all know that we don't even live up to our own standards, let right. alone God's. Anybody who grew up in, in any kind of religious background whatsoever right. knows that God is good. Right. And then you start to go down the list of all the things you've done bad. It's like, well, I, yeah, I, yeah, I guess I don't measure up. Right. You know. So the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Now the question is, do I get the gift? Or do I get the wages? Do I get what I've earned or do I get, how do I get the gift? Because the wages, I can't earn it because the wages are death. Right. So I, how do I get the gift? Right. The gift comes in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Right. It's, it's uh, Jesus is the Christ. So he's the anointed one. He's the king. Right. He's the savior. He's the Lord. He's the king and I'm not. And he's Jesus whose name means salvation, mm. you know, and he's our Lord. Do you, do you, do you receive him as your Lord and your savior? Right. And that is the day. It's not something that you earn. It's not something that you right. you um, can possibly you know merit. You can't go to church enough times. You can't read your Bible. All that stuff comes as the Lord transforms you. Right. You want to go to church. You want to read your Bible. Some people, you want to pray. Some people think God put the down payment down, and you got to keep up the payments. Right. Or he forecloses and sends you to hell. Right. Right. So, so right. it's not works. No. Right. You know, it's it's by 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 grace you are saved through faith. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so it's me taking him at his word. He said, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart the Lord Jesus Christ, God has raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. Yeah. And that's the gospel in a nutshell. Believe and, you know, can believe and confess, you know, yeah. and, and, and God will write your name in it. Yeah. And, and then it, it begins a relationship, not, oh, I got to go to church. You know, I love going to church. I can yeah. wear these weird bow ties and yeah. see my friends and encourage people. Yeah, it's and, totally awesome. Yeah. All right. All right, Pops. Well, thanks. Um, if you have any uh, questions or um, you want to follow up with Jim Zedekase, my dad, or myself, you can email me at thethink.institute at gmail.com or Frankie Chocolate. What? Yeah, Frankie Chocolate at gmail.com. And, um, Frankie, F R A N K I E. Right, Frank, right. Frankie Chocolate at gmail.com. Um, you can find my books. You have to look for them a little bit on Amazon, but there's over 100. You know, there's kids' books like the uh, Fruit of the Spirit books. Yeah, I'm I'm rewriting the Ten Commandments for all my grandkids. Yeah, and um, very you know, good. There's a there's a lot of fun things in there. Easy easy to read. Yeah. Um. Also, I want to give a a quick mention. Um. The Think Institute is now on Parler and MeWe, some of those insurgent social media sites, and um, we're staying we're sticking with Facebook for the time being, but um. You know, I just watched that movie, The Social Dilemma. So now, um, you know, and that movie was a little biased as well. But uh, you ever seen that movie, The no. Social Dilemma? No. It'll it'll freak you out. Oh, the stuff about Facebook and how they manipulate. Well, you. I don't go on Facebook. But, Every yeah. now and then I yeah. do, but but it's, it's just like, you yeah. know, I don't have that many interesting desserts. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. And some people are so hooked into it, and oh, and, yeah. I, and I've been there too. It's like you need it. You right. got to get your fix. Right. Um, but we're on MeWe, which uh, which is uh, more of a, a friend uh a privacy friendly network and um and i can't knock facebook i mean we're on facebook right now you're probably watching this on facebook if you're watching this live um but we're also on parlor we're on me we we're on the bible app so i've been posting um if you're on you version i've been posting bible commentaries and and images and things like that so follow friend the uh, friend think institute on the bible app as well also wanted to remind you that the think institute is supported by like-minded individuals and churches so 
if you are looking for a ministry, a nonprofit ministry to give to this Christmas, we are missionaries with the with Crew Campus Crusade for Christ, and um, and we are part of we're part of that ministry. So um, you can go to give.crew.org and you can search for set a case, or you can just type in our giving number, which is what? one. I'm sorry. Give you a number. Tell them how to spell your name. Uh, thank you. Set a case is S E T T E C A S E. And um, you know what? Actually, we have a couple of comments here. I didn't see. Oh. Um, oh. Oh. Okay. You know what? You know what it is? Larry Dolendi says, "Hey, pops." And um, hi, Larry. Put that on there. And then uh, Donna Flenke. Donna is um, okay. Do you remember uh, Hendrix? Hendrix. Hendrix. From uh, from first from FBC of Elmhurst. Yeah, Donna and Laura uh, and their parents. I don't know. I oh, oh yeah, Ken, Hen Ken and um, Hendricks. Hendricks. Yeah. yeah. Which is it, Donna? What was your what was your maiden name? If you're still watching, um, but uh, but yeah, Donna. She's she watches the show all the oh, time. Oh, nice. Yeah. So she says. Yeah. She says hi, Mr. Setticase. This uh, this is good fun to listen to. Glad you're doing well. Yeah. There she is. Hi. So yes. Um, oh, okay. Cool. So yes, you can. Um, you can, uh, let's see if I can pull this up here. Um, here we go. So that's our giving link, give.cru.org slash 1018841. We are actively seeking new ministry partners. This is what allows us to have this ministry and, and equip you to explain, share, and defend the Christian message. So I certainly hope you heard something that has been helpful. I know I have. It's always um, a blessing to sit and talk to my dad. Usually, It's usually a blessing. It's usually a blessing. It's all, always a blessing. And um, uh, Dad, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks this, for asking me. This, uh, this is not goodbye. This has just been a little pit stop along the way of your spiritual journey. And that's about all we have for you today. So until next time, I hope it made you think. Bye.